(laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Sisterly Situations. I'm Sherilyn. And I'm Missy. Welcome. And we wanted to take a few moments to introduce this episode that you're about to listen to. But first, I really wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listening. We've gotten some really great support. And amazing, amazing responses and support and encouragement. And you guys are so awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been a really exciting week for us. (laughs) It's been very exciting. It's been hard to focus because it's been. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I've been checking the podcast stats every day. (laughs) Yes. And texting me multiple times a day with updates. It's a very true story. I really have been. I've been updating you. I also keep checking like Spotify and Apple and Podbean and everywhere that we're on just to, like make sure we're still there. Like I know we're not going to not be there, but I just keep looking at it like, oh, hey, we're on this. So we're on this. and It's, it's just been so much fun. <laughs> I love it. And I think I, I really want to also shout out a few people who like took our post and shared it or shared our website or a link to the podcast and early adopters that said they're going to be following and listening. So thank you to Mike and Katie and anyone else that you're, that you have that you remember. Yeah. I do want to shout out Katrina. That was such a cool, fun message. A friend from my childhood, we were super close as little kids and I'm just so grateful that she sent me a message. So Katrina, thank you. That was so sweet. It touched my heart. Yes, that was very sweet. I also got a message from David. Um, Oh, fun. (laughs) And yeah, so I think it's going to be really, I'm just super excited. (laughs) Me too. I can't stop smiling. It's kind of hurting my face. You okay? Yeah, the cats, you know. You have so many cats now. <laughs> it's the kitten chasing the ghost in the house. Um, so spoiler alert, you're gonna learn that <laughs> the cats have bit. multiplied. <laughs> the cats have multiplied this season. Also, I think to that point, I wanna let everyone know that we started recording about six months ago. So the things that you'll listen to, particularly on episodes where we talk about like our life and stuff or things that are going on, it it happened about six months ago. So if you're listening- The recording itself, like we we started recording this, this particular episode that you're listening to was recorded back in February. This was our very first actual recording. Yeah, we were still trying to figure things out. And what we figured out is uh, is that Missy is doing all of this editing uh, all herself. She is brilliant. She has learned this new wonderful skill set. Brilliant and is a stretch, but thank you so much. <laughs> she's just jumped in and taken that ownership of doing all of our editing. So I wanted to give her space and time and not push it. So we were being very deliberate of making sure we had a lot recorded. So when it was time to record or when it was time to post it, it could, it could just be posted and then she could be working on editing the newer stuff that we're recording. So we have learned and our seasons are going to be, are going to change with the actual seasons of the year. So season one is, you know, February 
March. It's recorded during the winter season and it's going to be posted during this fall season. Exactly. And this summer we recorded season two. So we're just starting to record season three because it's the fall now. Yeah. And so we have two full seasons recorded uh, before we even started publishing these episodes. So yeah, we were like well prepared with content for this. We're trying to be. So get ready for some things. But if you're one of our grownups and you've listened to us or one of our family members, if you hear an episode where it's like, Missy's moving, no, that already happens. It was just that one time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like six to eight months later. Yeah. Do you see, do you see this cat right now? I sure do. I sure do. you do. see his big green eyes? Like just staring hardcore. Like he is. Yes. Tuned into something. Oh, I got mine too. Hi, Benny. <laughs> My little Benny mouth. <laughs> So also the other thing that we wanted to say to our grown-ups specifically, um, well, you take it. <laughs> well, I take it. Okay. So we also want to send a message because this episode is called parent, uh, parental resentments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and doozy. It's a doozy. So I don't think there's any illusions whatsoever that for anybody who know us or listen to our first episode Missy and I did not have this like wonderful perfect cookie cutter tv show childhood like that was not what happened and as most people don't but when we're talking through some of the things that we go through in this episode and in future episodes we're talking through our experiences this is about our speaking our truth and being honest. It is not meant to make any sort of attack or to make anybody feel bad. I know we have some grownups who have expressed to us, to each of us in the past, that they wish they could have done more or they don't, they feel bad about things that we went through. And I, I just want everybody to know we're okay. And I mean, we also, we're a little <laughs> but <laughs> we're okay. And, and it's yeah. fine. We've and we don't blame to, anybody. And we've had to go through a lot of healing, of course, but we've, through that, we've learned that the adults in our lives really, truly did the best they could with what they had, yes. um, including the failures that happened. That is yeah. just the truth. Um, even in the bad, we, everyone was doing the best they could with it, with what they had. And sometimes that looked not so great. Yeah. We really wanted to make sure that we let everyone know that we're not coming from a place of blame or holding on to those resentments. Mm -hmm. Um, And we appreciate what everybody did and everybody did the best that they could. And even have the realization, especially that I'm a parent now, that it's incredibly hard and there's just nothing you could do where your parent, your child doesn't have something. Oh yeah. (laughs) So even those, like those rainbows, beautiful cookie cutter childhoods, those kids don't come out there. They don't come out there fully perfect. They don't come out there unscathed. They don't come out of there not having probably said, I hate you to their mom or dad, at least once in their lives. 
their lives are yeah I'm fine I'm fine it's totally fine as I stuff example (laughs) as I stuff cupcakes down my throat going I'm fine it's totally okay (laughs) I know that you hate me it's okay (laughs) I'm sorry I'm really sorry do you want it's me to right. keep that or cut that out <laughs> you can totally keep it it's fine <laughs> um <laughs> i know that our parents have resentments towards us too i understand yeah absolutely but at the end of the day it's all love all support i have said many times at least to you i don't know if i've said it in the podcast uh, but or in any future recordings, but children are not resilient. We just age into these adults that are trying to figure out world, the world. So <laughs> it's, we just have our damage that we need to heal from. And this entire podcast is about healing from our damages. Everybody's yeah. damaged, but everybody did the best that they could. And we know that our family, all of them love us so much. And have done everything that they can. And like I said, we're not coming from a place of judgment or anything like that. Not at all. Like she, like my amazing sister said, this is our perspectives and our truths. And also you'll find that I'm me as the younger sister being so little, I'm asking a lot of questions and you'll hear me find some things out real time. And there's been some processing that happens in the podcast and there's processing that happens following that and that also in and of itself doesn't change how I feel about the adults in my life my feelings have evolved so much I love everyone I have so much love that I even for the people that I still have difficulties with right I do my best to send them love and especially the, the challenging people in my life. I try to send them love. <laughs> um, the healthy thing to do. <laughs> and I, I think in this episode, we also hear some of that evolution and realization mm-hmm. in this coming episode that you're about to listen to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I say I realize a lot of things during this episode. Um, it's, it's realizations. It's remembering. I find it fascinating. <laughs> And what's great is this episode is actually a few different conversations that we've had about this topic put together to create it. Yeah. Um, it's our hopefully, puzzle piece. Hopefully you would episode. be able to tell. Yeah, it's our puzzle piece episode. Yeah. Literally on on many levels, which is really cool. We were just talking about that. It's our puzzle piece episode where we put a few recordings together and also I'm putting things together. Um, yeah. So we I hope you enjoy. Oh, yes. Hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for coming back for episode two. I hope you come back for all of it. Even more. Yeah. <laughs> Even more. All of yeah. it. We're, and... We've been on a ride. So we want to take you, take you along with us. It's been, it's been super fun and we're really excited. <laughs> we are. We're very excited. We've both got like these big smiles and we're, we are loving doing this so yeah. much too. Yeah. I, I love these conversations that we're having. Me and I too. I love you. I love you so much. All right. Well, enjoy. Enjoy our situation. So how was therapy today? So here's my situation. Here's the situation. <laughs> so therapy was great. 
interesting. You talked about me, right? I did. I did. She asked me a lot of questions about you today. And you said it sparked some conversations that you wanted to ask me too. Yeah, I have questions. I sort of wish I wrote them down. That probably would have been good. Yeah, because, okay, so she asked me, like, I'm not going to remember them in order whatsoever. It doesn't matter, I guess. But none of that matters. Yeah. (laughs) So when dad got custody of me and Linda got custody of you. Yeah. Did that all happen at the same time? No. Was I taken out of mom's house and you were there for like a year? For like a year. Mm hmm. Oh, wow. Or it felt like a year. Dad would probably have the, the timeline better than me. I was, frankly. I was also thinking I, I, I would have to ask dad some questions. Too. It um, felt like at least a year because, because dad didn't like when like he, they came and got you mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he filed for custody and then he had to file again for an emergency order. He didn't win the emergency order, but then he won in custody, but not like a sole custody. And there was visitation and stuff. And then there was a back, there was back and forth and stuff with mom's visitation with you. So there was a lot of all of that. And through most of that, I lived with her and it was during your visitation at our house that shit went down where she like broke my finger and all of that. So, oh, yeah. So you were like visiting us at that point. And you were still living with her. And I was still I was, living there. And I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. So that's helpful. Okay. So I was visiting. No, this was like mom had gotten weekends back or something or because okay, he didn't was... win the emergency order to just have sole custody right away. Okay, so that was actually part of my question. It's like, how often was I seeing you during that time when I first moved in with dad? So not, I know it was not a lot when you moved in with Linda. It was not a lot at first either because mom always had a transportation issue. And then once she failed the drug test, she had to have supervised visitations and then, so you, you weren't with us like on weekends or anything like that. It was, it was like you went to dinner together with someone, with a friend of hers. Yeah, I remember that stuff. I do remember that stuff. Okay, that's interesting. Cause- so it wasn't often enough, certainly. But yeah. there were like, there was like, uh, there was like the summer into the beginning of the school year months I want to say it was like October or something like that, where like there, that was when the battle was happening before you went to live with them. Okay. So just also a little background of why I don't remember this is because I was, you were like seven, seven. Yeah. You were in second grade when they got custody of you. Yeah. I was seven and traumatized. So, and Yeah. Yeah, my memory, my memory is very bad at that time. I am slowly remembering more, but this is also why I ask questions. Yeah, and I was 13. I was like 12, 13, 13. Wow, that's so crazy. 13 into 14, because I was 15 when I left mom's. 
that is the detail I remembered. That's why I was having so much trouble with age. And then, and I was like, because she was asking me like, you know, what the, the the reason I remember like definitively that it was second grade is literally because I just had a conversation about Guinevere switching schools with Jean and Jean had said, well, Missy switched schools in second grade when she came to live with us. And then she switched schools again in third grade. And then I switched again in fourth grade. In fourth well, grade. I okay. That's right. So you had a lot of school switches because I was concerned about Guinevere having the school switch and potentially switching again for third grade. Yeah. No, I have the memory very clearly. I know I was in second grade. I was in Mrs. Shapiga's class and I took oh my a God, school Ms. bus. <laughs> and I, yeah. Um, and then I took the school bus to Mm -hmm. mom's house and it was like a weird day it was like a Wednesday or something and like I remember it was during the week because dad was picking me up on the weekends and I saw on the bus pulling up to the trailer park his gray Pontiac that was later yours yeah whipping whipping into the trailer park in front of the bus and I was like oh my god I wonder why dad's here and like I very specifically remembered the details of this day of yeah him telling you we won and you're gonna come live with us yeah Um, and I go inside and mom is crying on the couch and my reaction to her was I sat with her and like wiped her tears and told her like it was all gonna be okay and then you know so I was like kind of the caretaker in that you know in that situation then I walked everybody's the caretaker of her yeah Absolutely. And then I walked outside and I got to step into my child's shoes and I, you know, saw dad and I was like, I jumped up and down and I said, you did it. So like Mm -hmm. two very different, like children right there in that. that Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. For the, for you guys, it was a celebrate. And I stood on the, uh, on the porch and watched both sides. How was that for you? So it's very mixed because I wanted him to win. I had written letters and things to help his case, but I wanted him to get both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's talk about that. You and him have had conversations about that very recently. Right. Well, not very recently, like 10 years ago, it's 12 years ago now when you were in college is when we were having this conversation. Because I was, I was left behind. I wasn't in college 12 years ago. Hold one second. Oh, I was. What? Yeah. Because it was your freshman year that dad and I were having this conversation. Oh my God. Okay. You didn't graduate 12 years ago. No. But you were starting. Okay. Because that's what pushed dad and I to talk because you were very mad at dad for not paying for you to go back to coastal and I was trying to figure out Co-signing what the fuck. alone. Okay. The, yeah, there was, I was like, it was basically the conversation to me is dad is not letting me go back to coastal. Yeah. And so I was like, what the hell, why aren't you letting her go to college? <laughs> and why are you against this? And he was like, well, this is what your sister's doing. And I was like, oh, Okay. Well, and he was like, you know, you're not her parents. And I was like, well, I'm trying to figure out what's, I am her sister and I do care about her. And that just started us talking again. 
because we had a number of years where we really didn't talk to each other. Right. Because the teenager in you was upset that he took me and not you. Well, the child in me was upset that he had taken you and not me. The teenager in me was a little bit relieved because I didn't have to, no offense, I didn't have to take care of you anymore. Well, no offense taken, my dear. (laughs) Like (laughs) that never ever should have been your responsibility. (laughs) There was a boy I liked and there were things that I could do as a teenager that was like, freedom. (laughs) I was like, wait a second, what? Can I actually go to my friend's house once in a while now and not have to be worried about what's going to happen at home? Because I didn't. I never I never went over to like friends' houses for like birthday parties and stuff. I went over to Laura's house for her birthday party once a year. But and at that wow. particular time, especially when mom started drinking again, and I remember I was 13 when she started drinking again. So when she started drinking, that's when things just immediate, like, I didn't trust her with you at all. Well, that tracks. I do remember her being very drunk all the time. Yeah. She had a problem and that was (laughs) 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 a problem. (laughs) And that really started when she started talking to like the neighborhood drug addict and that became her boyfriend and then, and her supplier. There was so much messed up in that whole situation. Yeah. I mean, as I'm going through therapy and like talking it out and stuff, I, I mean, I'm every time I talk about it, I'm like uncovering stuff and like thinking, are you bored with me? No, <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. not at all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just um, yawning because that's what I do. <laughs> I'll do that until I fall asleep. At like two o'clock this morning. And then from the, the moment morning. you wake up. And then from the yeah. moment I'm waking up, I'll be like, yawning. <laughs> yeah, I just yawn. I don't get enough sleep. I got six hours last night, though. That's a lot for you. That's, that's a lot. I'm impressed. So anyway, yeah, I, uh, I feel like every time I talk about it, I like realize other stuff or I'm told other stuff. And that leads me to realize other stuff. But this therapist has been really good. She's been asking me like real thought provoking questions and very simple. But for me, they're very thought provoking because I'm really having to reach back (laughs) into the depths of my brain and my memory cells and try to remember to remember stuff. And because, you know, she asked me how long, you know, if me and you went went through a phase of like not having much contact, I was like, well, yeah, there was a long time. Yeah. You know, but we were really close, you know, because, you know, we're really close now. We're best friends, you know? And so it was like, how, how did that happen? Like, when did we start? And it's like when you were in college, it's actually when I got my license. So well, that's, that was my first thought. Was that was the turn. That was really the turning point for, for us to be able to spend more time together because we no longer had to, I no longer had to rely on any yeah. of the adults of our lives because I, I was living with Linda, you were at dad's and I saw you maybe twice a year. Yeah. I remember coming into Linda <laughs> like one a weekend. Mm-hmm. He did a weekend and part of the court order was we were supposed to have regular contact. 
that was literally in the court order is we were supposed to regularly still see each other. Mm-hmm. I remember you telling me this. At some point. And, and we just never did. So there was like your birthday and one other time a year that I saw you. Usually like in the summer, I would see like I didn't even get to see you at the holidays. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I only remember doing, like, going back to yeah. Uncle Tom and Aunt Judy's for Christmas, like, like later on, maybe when you were in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and me bringing you. So yeah. that was, so once I got my license, and I got my license at 17, that's when I was driving to our little town. I don't know if we want to say our little town. Um So I was driving to our little town and I was staying at my friend's house. I would see you during the day. And usually in the middle of the night, I would get a call and go be what I would later realize was it was a booty call (laughs) in the middle of the night. (laughs) But yeah, I would go be with him later. You know, I'd spend some time with you during the day. Like after school on Fridays, I would get right on the turnpike and start heading down towards towards you my big sister has always loved me and always been there for me and always thinking about me and I really appreciate it I am so grateful for you in my life I love you too that's so fucking sweet and to be honest I feel I was talking to my therapist today about it about how much guilt I have for not being the big sister that you were to me to our little sibling mm-hmm. and just kind of having this conversation with you now I mean talking to my therapist earlier and like expressing that I felt like that guilt of not keeping at, in contact as well and stuff like that she was like well you couldn't you you weren't really in a position to and I was like but then I was like when I had my license you know why didn't I do that then and that bugs me that bothers me I don't know why I well I the drive for like me was, <laughs> yeah, the drive for me was like an hour. The drive for you would be like three hours. And that's fair. That's we true. We did get to, we did have a point where I would, I would pick you up like, or dad and Jean would use me as a babysitter mm. on occasions um, so that I could spend time with you and they could have like date nights or whatever and then when that got tenuous I guess is the word um when that wasn't working and after I turned 18 I just went to mom's and with mom it was I'm gonna take my sister and so I would just take you right um to do things with the younger sibling mom has never been like that for either like it's it's well like she doesn't want to be left out it's always about her and her not wanting to like so you don't want to take me to yeah why can't I go I guess because I do think that circumstances did play a part in that for her because she then she wasn't by the time our younger sibling was around and we wanted to do things with them mom also wasn't seeing us as much and so that circumstance is a little bit different I guess than ours because she had the same amount of time with us 
so I would go up there and visit grandma a lot before mom moved up there. I would just be like on a Saturday, (laughs) I want to go up just to see grandma, spend time with her or so we would wash our cars together. And I know like, you had a much different relationship with her than I did. Yeah. I was just, so, I was just kidding. <laughs> so I had a very different, like, it wasn't an issue for me, at least when I was in high school. When I went to college, it was different. And then I had the car accident in the snowstorm when I was in college. I think that was sophomore year of college when I flipped off the side of the embankment. Yeah, that was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was. On so many levels. So many. Yeah. Um, And it completely stopped me from going up there. But I didn't want to go up there when mom was around there either. Like it was just her energy. Like I feel like she just was lonely when she moved up there. And that was her energy. What was your other question that came up? Um, I think those were really the two. Because did you ask two? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Were we, um, were we in contact really when I first left and then how long okay. were you there after me? So it was really three. How think, long were you I there after me? I think it was about me? a year. I think it's about a year. Yeah. And then, um, the last one, which I'm having a total fucking great part. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we just had a very lengthy discussion about it. So we did so we can we can go back to it and hear what was the yeah editing what were the actual questions (laughs) what were the actual questions because I was like I feel like that was just one question well yeah it wasn't (laughs) okay (laughs) um yeah I mean we got to talk about I did get to talk to her about like how close I am with you and stuff and I think that that's like an important thing for me to establish with my therapist and also important thing for us to establish here because I don't even think we at one point we'll probably just have to do like an introduction episode yeah do like a like this is us and this is why we're doing this and how this got started and blah 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 yeah blah 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 (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) yes yes um they're all gonna know we're millennials <laughs> i'm a zennial okay respect your elders <laughs> oh i'm so sorry eliza <laughs> but yeah i do think that it was good for me to talk about um how close that i, I am with you because it also like gave me a fresh perspective of that um uh feeling guilty about our younger sibling and I need to reach out to her more I mean of course we've never lived near each other and that's really hard but um well not as grown-ups no no and and the other and not even as kids she's lived three years away from me oh yeah us and the youngest yes yeah yeah because mom moved up to Pennsylvania when she got pregnant once it was like a year yeah she was like um no it was as soon as she was born she was kicked out yeah she was kicked out of what's his name's house no because they lived at mitch's for a little while when lily not for long a little while because i had a bunch of her out 
okay. But I had visitation there with them. They're okay. both there. So I, and, and to be fair, I, my memory is distorted. So I don't really know the period of time, but it couldn't have been a bunch because we were moving her up like right away. Okay. Cause she moved in with grandpa first and grandpa had the whole like room and everything set up for her and did this whole thing. Yeah. And then she left grandpa's and moved in with grandma. So yeah, during that time when she lived at grandpa's, I was still going up and visiting grandma. <laughs> and then when she moved in to grandma's, you stopped. I did. Yeah. I just had no interest in being around her. So I saw baby Lil at Aunt Laura's like over the holidays. And really because everybody mm. was mad at me because I dyed my hair. Dyed your hair. Yeah. So everybody was so mad at me. I was so not no there, one was I heard really... about all that anger. <laughs> uh, so like people weren't talking to me and and straight up not talking to you because not you dyed your hair. I dyed my hair. What a bunch of freaks. brown. I didn't yeah. I didn't dye it like no. bright pink or anything. No. This is 2003, it's 2003, 2004 and I dyed it brown. Brown. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like let's just be okay very... I hope that someday they all listen to this and I just want to say I love you guys you're crazy <laughs> I mean that was ridiculous that was ridiculous <laughs> like I they would tell me about it oh my oh, god I still hear you about your what dreads. your sister did oh for sure <laughs> of course for sure you. <laughs> you haven't even had the dreads in how many years now we just talked I think through. it's been three years since I think it's been three years yeah we just did that whole thing I had them for three years too. You know, what's funny is like, I still love them. Yeah. And you still dye your hair brown. (laughs) And I still dye my hair brown or purple. Yeah. And no one gave me shit about the purple hair. The purple hair was cool. In fact, Aunt Laura wants to dye her hair like blue or something like that. Because that's her favorite color. So like, okay, let's say that's growth. Let's call that growth. (laughs) So and yeah, hypocrisy. I'm supposed to dye her hair for her, but she doesn't, she doesn't want to like kill grandpa. So she was like, how can I do this? And I'm like, just it's washing. It's going to wash out, especially if you do a blue, the blues wash out very quickly, but she has like her dyed blonde hair. And I'm like, yeah, we'll just do this. I, she's got the stuff and everything. I gave her the link to buy the same stuff at Amazon that I've got from Anne Dawn from the beauty place. I wanted to ask you, I wanted to circle back to it. What did dad say that I was doing my freshman year of college? Weed. I mean, he said drugs. You were doing drugs and he didn't want to pay so many thousands, like tens of thousands of dollars or be on the hook for tens of thousands of dollars for you to just go to the school and party and, and be with your boyfriend. So there was the issue of your boyfriend being there and the issue that you were smoking weed. So it was like, I'm not paying thousands of dollars for her to go party. If you put that in perspective for where he's coming from <laughs> as someone who is a parent and financially, and we've had the conversation since then about the financial scam that we feel our education was <laughs> you know we both oh, have gosh, our degrees. yeah yeah and, and also so, by paying for by by dad paying for college is what 
what it was a co-sign at the time, but it was co-signing for a loan, which my freshman year, yeah, for the second half of your freshman year of college, (laughs) which is still tens of thousands of dollars at a good university. Yeah. Any school, honestly, I'm going to say you get what you give into it, right? So every single college in the U.S. and probably abroad, but definitely in the U.S. is a is an absolute party school. Yeah. Or a wonderful education opportunity or somewhere on the spectrum in between. Yeah. But especially at that time, we're going back like 10 years ish. Give or take a few years. Yeah, I think we figured out it was 12. Yeah, give or take a few years. At that time, I was where I was running from the perception of the only way to make it out of poverty or a kid growing up in poverty is you need to get a good education. That's yeah, you got to get that only- degree. So that you can if get you a don't get a degree, you're going to still live here in, in absolute poverty. There's no other way out. Yeah. Um, unless you're a boy and you can, because for me, when I was growing up, there was definitely a gender line. So if you're a boy and you could be an electrician or a carpenter or a plumber or any of those, any of those physical skill sets that I would never be able to do as a girl grow like that was my lesson that I was being told I do not Mm -hmm. agree with that statement today Mm -hmm. um but that's what I was being told as a girl you can't do these things you can't be any of these types of things so what can I make money at the only thing I can make money at is I need an education um I need an advanced degree. I need to go to college. And like, that was, I used to call college loan payments, my gutter tax. This is what I've got to pay to get out of the gutter. <laughs> like Your gutter tax. Wow. It was my gutter tax. Cause I grew up living in the gutter. I, I like, I was like, this is poverty. This is the shit that I'm at the bottom of the gutter. The only way to climb out is to get the education. Yeah. Um, And to a certain respect, that has been true for me Um, because I am like, not to pat myself on the back a little bit, but a little bit. Yes. Yeah. You're allowed to pat yourself. I'm allowed to do this. I am solidly middle-class Yeah. in what's left of it in a struggling (laughs) middle-class, Yeah. (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, You know, I am. I am what the goal was when I was a kid in my adult life. And I was just saying this to uncle Steven, like in my adult life, I never have to worry that my electric's going to get turned off this month. I have never had to worry that I'm not going to be able to pay my phone bill. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, have there been months where I've had to be like, okay, I'm going to short my cable just a little bit so I can cover this little (laughs) bit here. Or my rent's going to be short like $100 so that I can pay this. Yes. Uh, Like certainly there's a little bit of negotiation because I am in the struggling middle class that the majority of America lives in. And that's the reality of the struggling middle class is, yeah, you're pulling from here to here to make ends meet. It's still hard. Certainly. That's why it's called struggling. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. Being an adult (laughs) is a struggle. 
being an adult um, in and of itself. Yeah. It's a struggle. It, it's a struggle. Um, but you know, I do pay my rent, even if it is short, I do pay my electric. And like I was saying, like I was cold this morning and I had no problem kicking the heat up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not going to be cold in my own house as a grown up. And yeah. I have that conversation often with myself. Like I hype myself up when I'm like, oh, is that too much? It's like, no, you pay the bills. This is your yeah. house. You're going to be comfortable in your house. If you don't want your toes to be cold, you can turn that heat up. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Warm up those toes. <laughs> Warm my toes up. I'm not going to sit here and be cold or uncomfortable or be like, no, I need to put on extra pair of socks and I need to bundle up. No, that's not how I'm comfortable. And I pay the bills here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that time that like we got in so much trouble for turning up the heat at Dad and Jean. I was brought out onto the porch that day. Like, I don't even know if you know this. I don't. I was never allowed to babysit you at the house ever yes. again. Yes. No, I do know that. Like You're I never was allowed cut, cut off yeah. mm-hmm. because we turned up the heat like three degrees. Oh yeah. It was like, it went from like 68 to like 71. Yeah. <laughs> something like, like that. Yeah. It was something crazy like that. And so this is funny. I was just talking to uncle Steven about this too, because we were, <laughs> because he, I was like, and the heat doesn't make that much of a difference on your electric bill. It really doesn't when I, cause I pay my, I pay the bills in this house. And I, I guess that depends on watch. the kind of heat that you have. Heat source, no. I mean, because in our apartment, in my last apartment, Natasha said that the heat really did affect ours, but we had like the coil heating in the ceiling. Maybe okay, yeah. You know what I mean. So it might it might depend, but uh, yeah, I'm not a maybe real it adult. does. <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely different, like between like when we had the trailer and we had an oil tank. And we had to get oil yeah, in the tank. And that you don't want to run out of oil. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. And filling that was like $150. Oh, man. $50. Which oil we had to. such a bitch. <laughs> in the wintertime, we filled it up twice over four months. So like over winter being four months, roughly. We sw- filled it up. We usually had to fill it up twice to get us from like October when we turned on the heat to February, March, when we turned it off. Well, in my memory, February is being extremely generous, probably March or April, March March or April. And my memory of the trailer is mom liked to keep it warm. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. So the fact that it was $150 to fill up that huge tank and that took us through the winter and we filled it up twice in the winter. So it's $300 over the course of half almost half the year we'll say I don't know I went from like four months to half the year <laughs> well yeah because you're you, you're kind of you needed a yoga mat but at stretch yeah for February but- no <laughs> it's so cold over there <laughs> I mean but February has always been like so like here on the east coast February has always also had pockets of warm days oh super always. random like 73 degree weather days absolutely absolutely Absolutely. so every single year there are pockets of there's like a week that's warm or two or three days a week that are warm 
on this week. And then two weeks later, it's warm again. So February has always had those pockets. And then. And then there's the years like two years before I moved or three years before I moved. I don't remember, but where it snowed every single day in New Jersey into April, like midway into April. It was every single day. It did not snow every single day from February to April. Oh, no, no, no. I guess not. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it sound like that. No, (laughs) no, that has never happened in, in any other pattern. I'm going to fact check you right now. (laughs) Let's call Monica Padman. Let's look at the weather patterns. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. But no, there was one year where it just, it snowed what felt like every single day for a month, but it was probably like a week or two, but it was crazy every <laughs> single morning. I mean, and I mean, just like a little tiny layer, you know, not, mm-hmm. not like feet or anything, but like, but I, re- I just remember one day walking out. Wa- <laughs> a refresher of snow. It doesn't, it does. It did not feel refreshing, refreshing. <laughs> Cause I, I remember walking out one day and being like, just defeated. Oh, I, was like, oh, I have to clean my car off. Again, Again. <laughs> no, it's just like it's April. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes so, that and so and when I got into my car accident, my first one where I flipped off the embankment of a snowstorm, mm-hmm. that was in late March, early April. I don't know exactly the dates, but that was my freshman year of college. It was my spring break. Oh yeah, spring break in the Northeast was snowy. Yeah, and winter break generally wasn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> Generally, it's it cold not, either way. It is very rare thing to see snow on Christmas. Oh yeah, white Christmas not, is not normal. Not like that's Jersey. not a real thing. Um, yeah. but snow during spring break is absolutely a real thing. Oh my god! Like the TV show, yeah, and the TV shows that like show um snow around Thanksgiving, like in in the tri-state area I'm like no it's cold no, but no. I've never I I've never, never seen it snow. recall snow yeah that's not what I should time. say yeah you said it I should say it that way I As also don't closely, recall I don't recall ever having seen snow before yeah. December yeah ever yeah um but I also feel like this Hollywood version of the holidays have Thanksgiving and Christmas like a week apart. Yes, in <laughs> reality, they are four weeks apart. <laughs> They're a month apart. Like, yeah. But we definitely, like, I definitely feel like that's, it feels like it's a week because it's, it, there's a, <laughs> a lot there's, of shit happens. <laughs> there's a lot happening and you're doing a lot of different things and there's all the kind of activities and everything, but it definitely, the perception of it and the reality of it are different. It's more, yeah. it's a month. It's not a yeah. month. So that's where I think the Hollywood perception of, oh, well, it must be snowing on Thanksgiving because it's going to be snowing at Christmas. I'm like, nah, it's going to be snowing after the roses bloom. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like we're going to see daffodils. Yes. <laughs> we're going to see daffodils and then our last snowstorm. And then the tulips will come mm-hmm. and the roses will start to bud. And we'll then get one snow. more frost. Yeah. And we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Except that one year. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and there's also this like perception that it's so different across the East coast. Like there's such a huge swing. And there's really not, it really isn't. 
Because I remember when I first moved to Virginia, grandma used to text me. She used to watch like the Weather Channel on repeat or something because she would text me every every single time. Which grandma? Mom's mom. Okay. Would say all the time, like she would text me every single time she saw any sort of weather report that included snow of any level in Virginia and anywhere in the state. It didn't matter. And I was like, you know, we've got mountains in Virginia that are like two hours that way. Yeah, it's so very it's, much not uncommon for it to snow in Virginia. Right. But she was just like, oh, you're chasing that warmer weather. Look what mm-hmm. happens. It's snowing by you. And I'm like, no, it's snowing in the mountains two hours that way. But it was like this just constant thing. And I'll have you know, ever She's, since she-, she was so mean. <laughs> she was, but it was funny. Um. I say that, but my, my humor is also a little bit mean. So that's yeah, fine. I guess that's true. <laughs> I, 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 I love my grandmother and whenever since that's she is lovely. passed, ever since she has passed away, every single year since she has passed away, my, if not on my actual birthday, definitely the week of there has been snow my birthday being in January. So that was not always the case, but I remember the year she passed you and I being in Jersey and we were going to like the movies or something with Guinevere and we walked outside and we're like, it's snowing. What the hell? We were at, Angela's Oh my house gosh. We walked outside. Yeah. What time of year? Was there that? was no, it was, it was my birthday. Oh, that's and interesting. I, I think you were house, you were dog sitting for Aunt Dawn because, and you had asked me and Guinevere to come hang out with you or something like that. And it was, it was Martin Luther King Day weekend and, and my birthday. And we're hanging out at, um, at Aunt Dawn's and we're like, let's go to the movies. It's not called in the, in the weather whatsoever. Grandma had passed away on New Year's Eve. We step outside and we're like, it's snowing. Yeah. What I do, the hell? I remember that. What Why movie is did this see? happening? I do not remember. No, I do remember walking out and being like, wow, it's Whoa. snowing. It was not in the forecast or anything. And I remember looking at the so- sky and being like, grandma, you're such a bitch. <laughs> 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 I was like, this is going to happen every year now. Like, are you going to make this? A and thing? then it's happened every year, every single year since she's passed. Mm, what a lady yeah she's just fucking with me she's teasing me it's fine it's fine that's nice and so it's come (laughs) to the point where like and if it doesn't happen directly I like it's come to the point where we'll have like our nice week in January usually early January there's like a week where it's really nice out and I'm like hey grandma can we please let this happen on my birthday can we just skip the snow this year like I have that conversation with her and she's always like no 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 (laughs) no Nope. She's like, That's no, not her I'll, style. Give this to you. I'll give this to you now. And the week after your birthday, we'll make it nice again. But the week of your birthday, I'm still going to tease you because you hate the snow yeah. so desperately. Yeah. What a fantastic lady, <laughs> even in the afterlife. So I, I want to circle um, back one more time. I do also just want to note and clarify that I do not actually believe that my grandmother is, is controlling the weather, but it's a funny little like tie back. I don't believe that she is actually in her afterlife. Just like, I'm just going to sit here and fuck with Cheryl on her birthday. You don't. I don't. No. I really do. 
I mean, maybe it's a fun thought that she's really that involved in our lives. Like it's fun and it helps me to feel connected to her, but I really hope she has better fucking things to do. <laughs> like, I hope that's that just, just that might be something that she had just, she just scheduled. It's just an auto. <laughs> it's just an auto thing yearly. She just, just like, hmm, let me pop that on the schedule for the rest of Charlene's life. <laughs> and maybe she has, but I also like to think that uncle Tom and Aunt Judy are like, interfering on in some way <laughs> like if she is that involved I hope they are that would be nice because, I'm sure they, Uncle Tom is yeah because Uncle Tom likes me more Uncle Tom is there I'm Uncle kidding. Tom likes me more than anybody else except that, maybe me no I think Uncle Tom lo- liked me more than you liked me liked you more than I liked you yes not that he liked me more than he liked you oh but he I think definitely he, liked you more than he liked me and that's okay <laughs> No, I think that he, I don't, I don't think that. I think genuinely, I think he liked me more than you like me. I think he had a higher opinion of me. I think your opinion of me is slightly more realistic than his. He, he really did have, have like high expectations for who I would be. Expectations is different though. No, like he, he just genuinely, like he thought the world of me in a way that so I I, so I'm a firm believer that everyone in in their life everyone in this world should have someone in their life that thinks that they can do no wrong and that they're they're an exceptional person and for me that was Uncle Tom so like Uncle Tom never got mad at you no okay Uh, one time so one time when I was living with them um I had the tv too loud and he he got at night and he got upset. He asked me to turn it down once and I had turned it down, but it wasn't enough. And the mm-hmm. second time that he asked me to turn it down, it like he was angry with me, but that was the only time in mm. the, I don't know how many years I got. He died, but 2016, five years ago, so it's 2016. So this will be six years. It's been a little over five now. Yeah. So my age minus five. So in the over 30 years that I got to have with him, that was the only time I ever remember him being ever even mildly disappointed in me. Okay. Let's just make it clear to our listeners that I think very highly of you. You do. Also, I do. And I do think the world of you, but I do also know that you're not perfect. Yeah. I think your opinion is slightly more realistic. That's a way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, you do think highly of me, certainly. So of all the people alive, you probably love me the most. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. I'll take that crown now. Um, Okay. So I want to circle back one more time. Okay. Yes. Circle back. Back to what I started with circling back with, which was what dad said that I was doing in college. college. And now that you say that it was. Oh, so weed. it was the weed thing. So also, so it was weed and that was the boyfriend. But I'm okay. Hold on. I'm like the weed. I understand where he's coming from. But for me, it's like, who cares? You know, Certainly. absolutely. And, and and if our perception of college and that experience was was more accurate to the turning outs of life. <laughs> so hold on, I'm going to turn on this light. Um, Cause it's getting dark here on the East coast. Um, 
So it was, so yeah, if our, our depiction of college was, it is your ticket to being able to have any type of success as a grown up. you need to get this college education for hit for him to have pulled out of co-signing and helping you with your education because you smoked weed. I'm a thousand percent like, yeah, who cares? But, but it was totally about my boyfriend at the time. It was definitely like more of a control situation. Oh my gosh. That was the whole thing because and my boyfriend at the time moved down from New Jersey to South Carolina to be with me at school. And I did not tell dad and Jean about it because I knew they wouldn't approve, but I was also and they like, did not like you with him. No, no. And they introduced me to him. <laughs> they never um, liked you with him. And again, I think that had more to do with them than you or him. Certainly nothing to do with him. After I got to know him better, I certainly. Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, is that he was, he had such an outward appearance at that time. Like, like, even way before college, like when we met, when we were little youngsters, early teens, he had such Mm. an appearance that 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 made, yeah, and he literally just looked, and it was more like, it was more like at the time, the big thing was emo and scene looks. So you had the straightened hair in front of the eyes and the teased hair in the back and the dark clothes and the dark nail polish and da 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 like and the and and the chokers well, and all this stuff. So it made so people judged him based off of his appearance. And then and then he was the kid that like did like younger smoke weed and he did you know, party with his friends. But I mean, at the same time, I met him when I was like at the end of middle school and he was in the beginning of high school. So that to me is not abnormal, but to dad, it, it is. And and that's so much older than you. And he wasn't, he was like a year or two. Older than you. Oh yeah. That was also another, that, I, that was a whole other weird thing kind of with dad. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to have friends older than me like I wasn't allowed to hang out with my friends that were older than me and da, 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 like weird stuff and they were only like I was in sixth grade and I met this girl I was friends with her and she was in eighth grade and as soon as he found out that she was in eighth grade I, I all of a sudden wasn't allowed to like go over and hang out with her anymore so what's hilarious about that okay so I'm gonna I, I need to break that down into sections one <laughs> okay. with the first boyfriends I'm gonna defend dad and Jean just a little bit Okay. And, and, and I have a, and honestly, before you even do that, I do think that their, their perception at the time and their concerns were valid for like where they were standing. And I understand. So, yeah. So there, there's certainly perspective you get as an adult and as a parent, but also they were friends with his dad. Yeah. And his friends, like dad was close friends with his dad and his dad had shared stories that also contributed beyond his look that contributed to their negative perception of him. Well, yeah, that's the other thing that I was going to say. So the look was just my first point was that like just immediately the appearance is a little scary, kind of sometimes scary for a grown up, especially a a dad doing a new thing. Yeah. And And especially a dad of a daughter. First boyfriend's. And so 
oh, my first love. Like, and I was in yeah. love with him when I was your 13. first love and you're 13. And frankly, and I, we didn't date until I was way older, but I was totally in love with him when I first met him when, when I was 13. And so there's a concern of, oh, my God, she's going to like the bad boys. This is setting a trend and we want to cut this off immediately. So there's that. There's also, I am convinced from my experience with you and my, and just being a mom and just in general, from what I've seen in the world, that if you are a parent with a little girl, whoever they date first, absolutely there is not a shot in the world that the parents are ever going to think that that person <laughs> is good enough for their baby little girl. <laughs> Period. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You could have been dating like the the preacher's son. Like you could have been dating or like this <laughs> golden boy, perfect. There's nothing wrong with this child whatsoever. They're straight A students, wonderful, super respectful, great kid in the world the right age, the right sex, the right every, mm. the right look, the right uh, whoever. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Well, the American, yeah. the American dream child for your baby girl. I don't care. I want that. I want that sucker away from my daughter. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. There's a level of protection there, yeah, right? Sure. Because no parent is ready for their child's first love. They're, you're just not ready for it. I mean, and I think that comes with parenting in general, like you're never ready for being a parent ever. Anybody who thinks they are, they're in for a rude awakening when that child actually comes. <laughs> you're never ready for parenting. And then the entire journey of parenting is as soon as you start to get into a rhythm, they will change and fuck up your whole world. They will go into another phase or something else will come and it's going to be like every single moment. You're never ready for it. And the one thing you dread from the very first time that your child is in your arms is their first heartbreak. Yeah. And their first love is that first connection to that first heartbreak because you want to protect them from getting hurt. So there is like this whole existential, you're not even like consciously aware of, I'm trying to protect my child and my baby is going to get hurt. So it does not matter. There is absolutely nothing wrong with your first love or anything about him as a person whatsoever. There's nothing he could have done at all. He could have for dad to like him, period, period. Well, There's nothing he could have done. He okay. could have been absolutely perfect. Well, so while I kind of, okay. So while I agree that that's true and that none of that is invalid, I do believe that the percentage of dad's disapproval for him from that protective standpoint was it like up. 1% because <laughs> I'm going to say that's like 50%. And then like the look adds another 10%. And then the stories from his dad adds another 10%. So yeah, then but you're I don't think like it was about protection. I mean, yeah, of course it was about protection. There was, there, there was a level of that, but, but also it's, Unfortunately, that's not how I feel dad has approached me in most ways, like in, in, in his kind of need to control me. I do think, I do think naturally there's an element of protection there, but honestly, it was more of, to me, from my perspective, he knew from 
you know, from his dad, what he was up to and like smoking weed and smoking cigarettes and partying with his buddies and la la la, all that stuff that's normal for high school kids to do. Um, I would say personally, that's my I think, uh, yeah, I think that's normal. That doesn't necessarily mean it's okay for parents. So I don't, I think dad was more protecting me from that stuff more so than he was protecting me from the person himself. He didn't like what the person did and where, you know, he was spending his time. And so he didn't want me in that circle and in that mess and smoking weed and drinking and la la la. And to be honest, you know, I really did respect that for a very long time. I didn't smoke weed for the first time until I was 17. I wasn't like, I didn't smoke a lot until I was 18 and, and, and yeah, in college. Um, you know, while, and while I said the reason I say until like I didn't until is because a lot of the people around me had been smoking weed since they were 12, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so for me, it was, I was kind of in, in my town, in my circle, I was a late bloomer in that sort of thing. And, and I'm grateful for that. I don't want to change that. I think that is fucking awesome. So, (laughs) and I think it's sort of twofold because so so there's the, there's like that basic instinct of protect my child from the heartbreak that I don't think is a conscious awareness for 99% of parents. And definitely think, not conscious to dad. Like I absolutely that not. Is super not in I'm the gonna forefront one, of his mind. I'm 1000% agree with you that that was not his forefront thought. That's why I gave it 1% is because I'm, I, I, it's valid I that it's think, fair. <laughs> but I do think the, I, I do think that conscious or not, which we know for dad, it was not conscious. That unconscious level is warning, warning, child likes, like somewhat is romantically interested, warning, warning, signal, protect, find fault with this person, find fault and protect against this person regardless. So I think they start at 50%. They didn't have a hundred percent to go. Then some of those other things that he had his own struggles with as a teenager, he wanted to protect you from. Yeah. He didn't want you to fall into some of the things that he did and Mm -hmm. make some of the mistakes that he made. Yeah. And that includes the weeds and the weeds, Um, (laughs) (laughs) the weeds and the drinking and I'm just going to go with it. The weed and the drinking and all of those other problematic teen behaviors and what they could cost you, because for him himself, his reaction to those things fell outside of the normal. Mm-hmm. He fell into an extreme abuse of these things. So while it is normal for teens to experiment with. And it's weird. Fears and are valid. Those fears are totally valid. Absolutely. Because for- you could be, you could also come from a family that has no like he did, that has no, no predisposition yeah. uh, to any of those bad things or the bad outcomes from those typically normal things that mm-hmm. teens do. Yeah. And still be like, and still turn out in an extreme, this could go very badly. Mm-hmm. There, um, so like there's a, so even if you have parents who have no drinking and no alcohol, uh, no alcoholism, no drug addiction, no problems. Their instinct is still 
I don't want my, even if I did those things and I turned out fine, our instinct is still, I don't want my kid to do those things. It's still, okay. uh, because you don't know how that's going to turn out for them. Mm-hmm. And you learn things. I also have no idea how that feels because I'm not a parent. Right. And you learn things as you get older about, you know, the frontal lobe developments and brain development and child and child rearing. And you are so much just pre-wired to be like, I don't want my kid to have any kind of, I want to do everything to protect my kid from the oh, world. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember you being so fearful of your child having like autism and you would call me and you would be like so, all the time tell me about the development and what's so normal and, da, 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 and it's like normal yeah <laughs> <laughs> because because for a little background I have a a bachelor's degree in psychology with specialization behavioral child services so all of this stuff about dad not supporting you going back to college I she went to college and got her- <laughs> <laughs> she did finish and ultimately get her bachelor's degree in child psychology and, yeah, and I studied child development um, and mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of brain development and this and that. And, and I would not consider myself an expert in any way. I have a bachelor's degree in it, which is way like still 101, you know? Yeah, that's still a fundamental step, but it's yeah, a fundamental sure. step that me as a new parent, I didn't yeah. study brain development and child development. I was sitting there going, I'm not supposed to have kids. But yeah, so I had no interest or knowledge or anything when it came to child development outside of my own experience of being a big sister and having lots of younger cousins and having friends with kids. So I've been around children a lot, but I also had a perception of I'm never having kids, so I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like (laughs) I don't need to know about autism. I don't need to know about these other development things that could come up and be problematic for parents. Like I was just like, and that part of that was a protection of myself because I couldn't have children. And I, I knew like there is a Mm. deep down seed that I knew I want. And I had been called out at that one on that once, like you want to have children. You're just trying to protect yourself by saying you don't like kids and you don't want kids. Because mm-hmm. whenever I was around kids, I loved it. Oh, I yeah. Was at, you were like, always really great with the kids. And the kids would always be excited that Cheryl Lynn was there. And she would always bring presents for all the kids. And, like, always had presents. Oh, my gosh. I had my friend, my friend's kid. I was coolest at every single. Coolest big sister ever. I had the coolest big sister ever. <laughs> and I and had... also, but that goes back so far. I mean, you took me everywhere with you. I mean, not that you necessarily had a choice. But you also... <laughs> You know, you did, you took, when we were like, when I was little, little, you, I was with you all the, literally all the time. I hung out with you and your friend. I, before becoming a mother, I defined myself by I mean, you're what a big kind of sister, sister. am I? Yeah, you're I'm a, a big, big sister. sister. I'm a mm-hmm. big sister first. Now I'm a mother first and a big sister. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, if you say, so tell me about yourself. I'm gonna be like, so I'm a mom and a big sister. Like that's, that's who I am. And so anyway, like, it was obvious to friends of mine where they called me out where I was like, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids. And I'd be like, I like your kids because I can send them back to you. But I was at every baseball game and practice, every football practice, every game, mm-hmm. every, I was the one who was like, 
hey, let's go to Rita's and get some uh, Italian ice after the, after the game. I was the one who was like, hey, this, this movie is coming out. I want to see Kung Fu Panda. Would your kid want to come with me? Like I was that person. I was the, to my friends and their kids. I was like, Hey, so um, princess and the frog is coming out and I don't want to be a creeper at the movie theater. So can I bring your daughters to come see the, (laughs) (laughs) like all of those things. I was always taking my friends, kids to do things um, and events. I was always supporting them as an, like as an adult, when I had friends that had kids, I was always all about the kid centric lifestyle um, and still completely convinced that I could not be a mom and could not enjoy it. (laughs) How ironic, how ironic. I know. And then, and now that I have a kid, I feel like I wasted so much time because now biologically I don't have much more time to be able to have children. And I wish I could have like five more. Yeah. But be pregnant like once. (laughs) go through that trauma one more time but I would like to have like four more kids (laughs) yeah I know you would I know you would but anyway all of that to say I think there is a biological aspect to protectiveness of our kids I do too I do and I think I do truly believe that that was dad's not conscious but I think that I do believe that subconsciously was the vast majority of his motivation. Oh, I don't. I definitely disagree there. I, I definitely think that it was there. And, you know, subconsciously he, you know, he was trying to protect me probably from, you know, heartbreak and stuff, but it was like, mostly protecting me from doing what he did. Yeah. So, Which I respect. I'm not saying that that was wrong. <laughs> to, but to a point, I also feel like. Oh, I'm going to get deep on you. Ready? Ready? Oh, boy. Here's the situation. Here's the situation. Ready? (laughs) Okay. I feel like when it comes to dad, you have never, I don't know if you've never, but for the vast majority of the, of your interactions with dad, you do not consider him as your safe space to present at to ever go with his motivation is he's my daddy protecting me I think you always assume he's coming from a position of or majority of the time your your perception is he's coming of a position of control or judgment I don't think that's news or deep at all well, <laughs> good. I'm, I'm trying thousand to say- percent. Yeah, no, I'm a thousand percent agree. With well, all the whole I mean, he's not your safe space because that's I mean, that's a that's heavy. A, it's deep, but it doesn't feel heavy. Yeah, no, it doesn't I, feel I, heavy because I think you're more aware of it than I even want to give you credit for. But <laughs> I don't feel that you give dad always enough credit for he's your dad. Like some of this is just natural being a dad and wanting to protect you because you do not believe or feel that that's his motivation. You feel he's controlling more so than protective. Okay. Well, all right. And to play a little devil's advocate here though, he's still broken and he's not As acting all from of a us place. humans are <clears throat> all yeah. humans are broken yeah we will discover 
when she grows up, she's going to discover that she has an incredibly shattered person trying to scotch tape the shattered pieces together to be the best parent I can be. He has not healed from the issues that he has had. There was an event that occurred that showed us that actually he's not okay. Sure. So he hasn't, to me, he had, to me, he hasn't healed. And so, so for me, he hasn't healed. So he has not been come. He has been coming at me from a place of control because that is a huge part of his issue, I think. And judgment and judgment and judgment. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, and I, I feel like your position, your position is valid. And I under, I completely can understand your perception of that. My position is yes, he's absolutely still broken. Yes. There is absolutely underlying issues that he needs to work on. I, I am never one. I I'm never one to say that that's not true. Certainly we've had enough conversations to know that is a flawed flawed human being (laughs) yeah i am just which i'm also everybody is everybody with you on that point as well of course everybody's broken and everybody's a flawed human being i will just also say that there is enough i i think i think that doesn't mean that there isn't enough instincts and i i and i think this also comes from i have a much clearer memory of earlier on and I know how invested he was with you and some of the sacrifices that he had to make from that perspective and I know parents are supposed to make sacrifices that's That's not that's not a gift we give our children that's that's the responsibility we have children we make sacrifices but yeah no but you have specifically described dad's parenting when I, I mean like when I was born he he the sun rose and set on my shoulders in his world. Absolutely. I, I believe, and I believe some of the battles that you had as it through your teen years, I think there's some healing that you also need to do Mm -hmm. to help you to have a little more appreciation for him in a way that yes, and, and not, and not to excuse him, but to appreciate Mm -hmm. that as broken as he is and he and he certainly was, that is not his entire motivation. And I think there, there's some credit because as kids, there's an expectation of our parents and our parents are grownups and they're, they know things and they do things and they're supposed to meet X, Y, Z criteria. And we, throughout our lives, because of our incredibly difficult situations and our incredibly difficult upbringing, we got exposed to a lot of the criteria that they didn't meet, that it was very easy for us to kind of cast aside where they did meet and where they did excel. Because, and I, and I say that with full awareness that there are absolutely times in my life where I do not give enough credit to mom. She failed me spectacularly in amazing, amazing ways. Like there is absolutely a long laundry list of ways that she failed, but there is this handful of ways that not only did she meet expectations, but she exceeded them. 
And there were ways that she was exceptional. And I do try to take those moments and incorporate those into my own parenting. And I think those are the moments that it's easy to overshadow. It's very easy to be like, and so, and I'm going to, I'm going to put this into an example for you. So, so backstory, my biological father was an abusive man who beat his wife and there was drug abuse and addiction and anger issues that riddled the relationship long before I ever came onto the scene. I would, w- but when I was a child, when my mom talked about my dad, it was, he loved you so much. And he was so excited when you were, when you were going to be born. The things I know about my dad is he had anger issues. He was, he abused my mom. He loved me and he made the greatest pancakes in the world. And those, like, those are the four things. That's the balance mom gave me. So yes, as I got older, I learned she was put into the hospital because he beat her so bad. But I also grew up knowing that when she was pregnant, he made her the best pancake she ever had because he wanted to make sure that she and I were, she was nourished while she was growing me. Like that was very important for her to make sure. And so like the other day I was in the car with my daughter and she was like, can you tell me the thing that you don't like the most about my dad? And I was like, nope. (laughs) I was like, nope. (laughs) Um, And I sat there and she was like, I need you to tell me. And I was like, how about I tell you the thing I like the most about your dad? Because one, I'm not falling into that trap. (laughs) Okay. But also like, I'm not going to, and I told her, I was like, Guinevere, it is not appropriate for me to sit here and bash your dad to you. He is someone that you love and he's an important part of your life. I can tell you the things I love uh, that I loved about your dad and that I think are very important, but I am not going to sit here and tell you all, uh, tell you the thing I dislike the most about your dad or the thing I don't like at all about your dad. Like, I won't even tell you one thing that I don't like about your dad right now. And I was like, can I think at first I was like, can I think of something like minuscule? Like, can I think of something that doesn't matter? (laughs) And it took me about like eight minutes to get there in my head where I was mentally like, can I think of something small enough that it's not impactful before I got to, no, I'm just not going to share. I'm not going to tell you what anything that I don't like about him, because that's not what's appropriate. That's not appropriate. I will tell you what, what I love, I love the most about him, but I will not tell you anything that I don't like about him. And I think I have the maturity and the ability to go there because of mom's insistence on making sure that I knew that my father wanted me to be born and he wanted to make sure she had the best pancakes when she was pregnant. Like that was like, that was her insistence. She needed to share that. So that's tangible evidence of something that mom did not only well, but exceptional in her. You haven't given her more credit for in the past. Right. That it would be very easy to say that is such a small thing. And that's not important because she, beat me and she was not there for most of my childhood and she I mean, so had the, her own so the small things feel even bigger <laughs> uh, yeah it is very easy to cast aside any and all of the good things because 
the bad things are big things and they're really bad. Mm-hmm. But those those things that she did well, and that's not a small thing. Well, I, even and- though it seems like a small thing to tell the story, it's not a small thing to well, tell a child. World. Well, yeah, and I guess in to any tell world, a child yeah. in any world to tell a child that someone wanted you to be born. That's not a small thing that someone loved you enough and wanted you to exist in this world, especially no, like this was an accident. I'm not, (laughs) you know, I wasn't a planned pregnancy for a 19 year old girl to get pregnant with her older husband, you know? So logistically, I know that wasn't planned, but it's not a small thing to be like, once there was a known that I was coming, that someone wanted me to exist. That's not small. That's not small at all. Right. And, and like, so bringing it back to dad, you and I have recently talked about how I am, I am harsh. I am harsh and hard on him. Mm -hmm. And, and you said that to me and I was like, well, yeah, I, I totally agree. I absolutely am. Let's also remember how was he during his raising of me? He was pretty hard on me absolutely and he was pretty harsh you know so <laughs> there I, is definitely definitely that harshness is and I and, have and him. up until now I have I have given him so much credit I have always talked about him as being my hero and always talked highly about uh Jean as well taking in a single dad and and his daughter as her own and you know, telling, talking about how dad, you know, really saved my life and took me into a much better situation. And, you know, I did absolutely give him like the credit that he deserved way more when I was younger, um, as he's fucked up more and more in my adult life. I'm, I just, you know, I I guess I'm reverting back to like teenage behavior. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. (laughs) There is a disillusionment of, oh, so you're human. And I did say to him, (laughs) And there's, there's part of me that you're like, well, I've always given him credit for, I can distinctly remember times that you haven't given him credit and there, there's a power struggle there. Uh, when, what do you mean? I've, what do you, I've, I don't believe so, I've never, I, I don't believe there's ever a time not to where the, I didn't give him credit for those things that I just mentioned. Um, so other things. Yeah, sure. I, but I, well, things. so I think there's, there's that you've minimized the credit. Like, yeah, you did that, but you're supposed to do that. You're supposed to. Okay. I see. I think you've minimized, you minimized at some points, the credit that you give them. And to a point that's, that's correct. Yeah. I was going to say some of that is true though. Like, (laughs) but, and, and to a point, absolutely. Absolutely. To, to a point. I I don't know. I do struggle with that. I don't know. (laughs) There's kind of this balancing act because it's like, (laughs) It's like, I, I wipe my own ass, celebrate. I wipe my own ass, but <laughs> yeah, you're fucking supposed to. So you make sacrifices as a parent and we want, like, as a parent, you want to have some recognition and appreciation for it, but there's also, but you're supposed to put your kids first. You're supposed to, but it is very hard at the end of the day to be like, I am, I'm doing all of these things and here I am working my ass off for my kid. And I like, I'll relate this back to my own experience. 
where my kid is saying, I'm, you're so mean to me. I asked you to brush your hair. <laughs> you're Pretty so <laughs> mean to me. You're the worst. You're so mean. And it's like, I need you to brush your hair and get ready for bed. That's not me being mean to you. That's me taking care of you. And at the same time, and then I can sit there and be like, okay, so I bust my ass working to try and make a living so that I can support this child. And so that I can make sure that she can have the basketball that she wants to play. And so that I can make sure she has. So when she says, I want to go to this, uh, can we get ice cream tonight? I can be like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. And we can have this event. And at the end of the day, I can be tucking her up in and be like, what was your favorite part of the day? And her be like, nothing. <laughs> like that is, that is at, on a human level. That is hard to sit with. Now that's, is that her pretty fault? harsh kid too? <laughs> is that her fault? No, she's seven. So <laughs> it is not her responsibility to give me validation at the end of the day and be like, mommy, my favorite mm-hmm. part of the day was spending time with you, obviously. Yeah, but you're like, a human too. So you have your feelings. But I have feelings about that. And that is hard. And there are plenty of nights when I put her to sleep yeah. and I come downstairs and cry because she Aww. said there was no good part of her day and she had the worst day ever. And I can Aww. think of like five or six things I did to try to give her a better experience. And I'm constantly falling short. And so there, there's that battle. And I, we don't know what we don't know. We don't know how many of those days that dad had. We don't know how mm-hmm. many times mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. there's, there's just a reality of you were supposed to do these things for me. That's your job as my dad. You were supposed to do these things. And he's sitting there saying, I don't, but nothing I do is good enough. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter that it was really hard for me to get to a point where I could negotiate my schedule to coach your, your team and support you in this way. I felt I was really supporting you when I was trying to say da, 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 da. And you were saying I was being mean, you know, like there are so, we don't know what we don't know about his experience as a human in that position. The coaching thing was just a random example, right? Yeah, that's just a random example. Okay. (laughs) Okay. He didn't coach one of your teams at some point. I thought he did. No, no. I I remember a time where he was working and he didn't get home when he was like framing houses or something. He didn't get home before eight, nine o'clock at night a lot of times. But I do know there was a time when he he came to every one of your games so what did that call? Oh yeah. Like, he came to a lot of my games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He was coming to most of your games and he was doing like, he was supportive. And what did that, what did that mean for him? What did he have to do to be able to make that? And uncle Steven and I were talking about that because he was like, when I think about the, and that, because I was like, kids are expensive. Cause I was looking at voice classes or whatever for going up here. And I was like, kids are, and then we've got summer camp we have to look at. And we're looking at so we're looking at voice lessons and basketball and summer camp. And I'm like, kids are expensive. And he's like, when I think of the investment, like my mom taught kids all day, then came home and took me to a practice. There was a financial investment and she sat there for an hour while I sat at practice, then brought me home, did the things she had to do, like 
the regular thing, the regular dinner, da, 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 da. She had to be turned on, not sexually, turned on into, I have to be a grown up mode so many hours of the day and the investment. And I, I, I laughed and I was like, and we still grow up and resent our parents. <laughs> like we still, there is always something that we fought and I think that's normal for everyone. And maybe that's the title of this episode. We still, we grow up and still resent our resent parents. Resent our parents. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what they could do. Kind of like your, the first, the first love, the first boyfriend, the first whatever. There is, they could be the golden child. Nothing could be wrong with them. We could have had the most perfect parents in the world. Nothing could be wrong with them. And we still grow up with our own, like, but they didn't do this. <laughs> yeah yeah you know so yeah like I said before we did totally have this like conversation before about how I am I am harsh on dad and he's harsh on me like we're hard on each other you know I, and I think that you know from his perspective it's protection either which way you look at it right so like the beginning of this conversation I was like nah, no but but yeah I guess either way either which way you look at it you know, it is about protection. He wanted to protect me and not let me turn out the way he did or go through the same struggles the way he did. I shouldn't say turn out the way he did because, you know, he's not, he's not all bad, <laughs> you know? So, and I do need to have that, that recognition and he, cause he deserves that. He does deserve that recognition. Mm-hmm. I think that he's this last year almost has been challenging on so many levels so many levels but on my but but on my perception of him specifically right and I am glad to say that I haven't let my perception and my you know at first I totally let it affect our relationship you know but I mean I was kind of given a platform to do that you know like I was handed you know, here you go, here's the information. So, and have your emotional breakdown and shit. And honestly, like, you know, forced to tell him kind of what I thought about him and it wasn't good, you know, it was all real bad, but he took it, you know, he, he took it with, I'm going to say grace. Um, and, and at first, at first, yeah, at first, (laughs) I'm probably um, second. Huh? I'm probably second. <laughs> First and second. You recently it's been there's been a weird shift. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, at, he didn't feel very he didn't feel great about himself. He felt really bad about himself at the time, you know. So he he definitely took that. It, it, he was in a place where he felt like he deserved to be shit on. And so he encouraged me to shit on him. And I really and I was yeah. honestly pretty uncomfortable with it. You were at first, you were very uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I, then I was championing like, this is your moment. I, I know you, everybody though. It wasn't just you. It wasn't just you at all. You know, I think uncle Steven and I had a conversation where, and he was like the only one who was like, yeah, maybe not right now. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Like, I don't think it's appropriate either. I didn't think the timing was appropriate, but whatever it, it, it happened the way it happened and, it, and it's fine. But with all of this, all of that being said, it was a very challenging 
you know, last year and, and my foundation and my, my foundation of my relationship with my father and my perspective of my father was totally shattered. And so that is also playing a huge part in my current harshness. (laughs) So I do think that it's important and I'm glad that we had this conversation. Uh, I do think that it's important that we have it so that I can you know, remember that there is that, that side that he does deserve credit in areas just because he fucked up. Doesn't mean that that negates the other things. I think, that, I think that that's he's done true. beautiful, you know? And I, I did say to him at one point, I was like, you know, maybe we're not being very kind to you right now as it's come to light that you've made this mistake, but you haven't always taught us how to be kind when people make mistakes. Like you've been harsh with us at times that we've made mistakes. And so we're trying to learn how to be kind to you as you've made these mistakes because you really haven't modeled that for us. Mm-hmm. So there is that. So I do see that in your perspective. And there was certainly when you have a moment of someone who is so confident with themselves and they have that moment where they're open to receiving stuff it was like, Hey, now's your chance. Now's your chance to tell yeah. him because he's going to be open to hearing some of the mistakes. Well, yeah. And, and fast forward to now, he's really not anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you were right. You were right. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Uh, so, so this is something that, you know, we're still kind of getting up from, you know, negotiating um, our own feelings about. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but I think during that process, it's good to remember, remember that dad is dad, you know, he, he's daddy and he mm-hmm. took care of me and I know he loves me. I do know that. And I know that he wants to protect me and however, <laughs> That, however that manifests in his behavior it might not be ideal for me but it's still you know it's coming from a I know he's coming from a place of love mm-hmm. even if it feels judgmental and often it is critical and disappointed <laughs> it's okay <laughs> so it's imperfect no and, and nobody's perfect Right. So I think that's the lesson here. Maybe that's a good place to wrap up. So that's our situation. So that's our situation. Maybe we thank our listeners for listening here. Thank you. As we work through that whole piece. <laughs> thank you for being fun. on this journey with us. Yeah, this is a ride. So buckle up, kiddos. <laughs> And we're just getting started. And we're just getting started. So, um, only scratch the surface. That's crazy. Please like and subscribe and tell your friends and check out my beautiful, wonderful, talented, wonderful little sister and all of her yoga adventures. Oh, thanks for the plug, big sis. Oh my gosh. Yes, and I teach yoga, so you can join through the websites. 
that will yes, be we have listed. a link on our websites so you can learn more about when you can get your next virtual instruction or how you can sign up for private lessons with the great and wonderful Conscious Missy. Oh, thank you. And she's okay. amazing. Thank love you. you. You're amazing. I love you. Love you. Bye.